0: Touch with
1: technology with tech stuff from howstuffworks.com. Hey there, it's tech stuff, and this is Jonathan Strickland. And as I sit in this studio, it's nearly time for the holidays, and then I have a trip out to CES. Everyone at howstuffworks.com is working super hard. And no one has time to record an episode with me. But rather than leave you guys without an episode, we're going to bring you another classic. In December 2011, Chris Pellett and I explored the world of abandonware. That's the stuff that disappears into obscurity whether people still need it or not. Check it out. So today we're going to talk about abandonware. Yes, we uh, we've had requests to talk about abandonware, and this is. Um, and we have talked about abandonware in the past, yeah, just not as a dedicated topic. Yeah, we've also talked about vaporware, which is a totally different thing. Um, if you might wonder what the differences are, vaporware is when a company has announced or information has leaked out that a company is working on a particular product, but that product never seems to actually go to market.
0: Oh, I thought it was the kind of software that every once in a while just made you feel lightheaded.
1: I've already got a headache. Oh, I've already got a headache, Chris. I'm catching the vaporware. So, uh, that's different. I'll tell you what that means. After this is over. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll like it because you like that kind of humor. Uh, the, uh, but no, the, the, Abandonware is when a company has produced a piece of, well, product mainly, but we usually talk about it in terms of software. Yes. And more frequently than not, we talk about it in terms of games. Yes. Although that's not the only kind of abandonware. But a company produces this. The, the, uh, but then technology continues to evolve over time. And no. Yeah, I know it's crazy, right? Really? So the, things like computers let's let's say a computer gets so advanced that it can no longer run older software.
0: Yeah, I'm aware of that.
1: Yeah. Where you get to a point where, you know, if software has been produced before a certain point, your computer is not really able to run it anymore because things have changed so dramatically. And then companies will sort of stop supporting this old software that they produced years ago. Mhm. Okay. So if they no longer provide any support or they discontinued it, that's abandonware. If a company creates some software that is, you know, hits the market and then that company ceases to exist, that software may be considered abandonware because now there's no, there's no place you can buy it anymore mm-hmm. because the company that was in charge of it is gone. Uh, this can happen through an acquisition or a merger where certain divisions get dissolved or merged into other divisions. And as a result, pieces of software no longer have a kind of a, a uh, a, a shepherd, really, to keep the software going. So, what happens to that software? What happens if you want to have access to that software? How can you do it? Are there legal ways of getting at it? And uh, it's, it's a little complicated.
0: Yeah. The uh, the in the context we brought it up in before, we were talking about the multiple machine, uh, multiple arcade machine emulator, MAME. Mame. Um,
1: you coax the blues right out of the horn. Sorry, mame. Yeah, that's anti mame. Yes, Um, not not a n t i. Yes, a u n t i. -I, Yes.
0: Yes. Um, So yeah, mame is for those of you who don't know, basically a way of uh, running the programs that old arcade. Well, actually, not necessarily old. That arcade machines would run in their cabinets on a home computer.
1: Right, now keep in mind that arcade machines the the software for those machines was built specifically for the hardware inside the arcade machine. You, you wouldn't open up an arcade cabinet and find a a, a, a computer in there. Right. It wouldn't look like a computer. It would look like a whole bunch of different chips wired together. Yeah. And, ROMs. Um, yeah, read-only memory. And and so it's hardwired into the uh the hardware like, you, know, you don't you don't put a disc in mm-hmm. at least not most arcade games I know there are a few that run on laser disc but that's not what we're talking about here we're talking about like the, it's reading directly from a chip a, a, a similar example would be when you if you ever played console games that used cartridges yes the cartridge had the ROM on it right and the console just had the uh, the technology to read the ROM and then. Translate that into a game. Mm-hmm. So, for a computer, you would have to create an emulator, something that could create an environment similar to the hardware that you would find inside that arcade machine in order for you to run the ROM on a computer. And sometimes this would work well and you would have a pretty uh, similar experience as to if you were sitting in front of a, an arcade machine and playing it. And in some cases, it doesn't work so well because the computer's architecture and the arcade architecture are so different that the game stutters or just runs really slowly. Yeah, so then you have uh,
0: the question. You, you're you able to run this uh, software yeah. And on your home computer, and you have something like, say, Kangaroo, and you want to play Kangaroo on your home computer, and you go, wait a minute, Atari still exists. I mean, truth is, it's a different Atari technically, but they own
1: the, the copyright, copyright
0: for that stuff. Now, it, you know, that's one thing. Then on the other hand, you have something like say defender and then you'd say, "Okay, well, who owns the stuff that Williams used to make or, or Robotron for that matter?" Yeah. Um, okay, so that's that's one version. Um my my other example was uh was going to be uh I was going to ask you if you thought that um If I brought my copy of uh, Deluxe Video Construction Set to Electronic Arts for my Amiga, do you think they'd support it? Yeah, probably not. Or SimAnt, for that matter, from Maxis before it was acquired by Electronic Arts? I don't think so. But the thing is... The question is, you know, I can legally use that software because I still own the disks right. for SimAnt. Right. Even though I never really had enough memory in my Amiga to run it. You wouldn't be able to
1: distribute
0: it. I can't distribute it, but I legally can run that all I want yeah. to. Now, for something like MAME, the, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. In, in some cases, the, the manufacturer is still around. In some cases, it's a different version of the manufacturer who legally owns the copyright. And in other cases, the manufacturer is gone and it's hard to identify who, if anybody, owns the copyright. And this actually is, it presents some seriously thorny legal issues.
1: Right. So let's let's clear things up a little bit here. Uh, if there is an old piece of software that's available online and there hasn't been any uh, express permission from the copyright holder that that software can be distributed distributing that software is illegal yes it it violates copyright now that being said, copyright is one of those things that only works if you exercise your right to the copyright right in other words the copyright owner would have to pursue action against anyone distributing that content so if you are if you come across an old game from the uh, the late 80s let's say mm-hmm. and it's an old dos based game on the from the late 80s and you wanted to you you love this game and you want other people to explore this game and, and experience this game and there is no way to buy the game because the game the company doesn't exist or the company still exists but no longer markets this game or supports it then you might feel well what's the harm i mean no one's no one's trying to make money off of this. No one is losing money off of this because there's no way to legitimately get a hold of this. Why is there an issue? And it's all because of that copyright. And the copyright holder may choose to not pursue action. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that it's legal. It just means the copyright holder is allowing the <laughs> that material to be distributed.
0: Yeah, I so said, wouldn't you know it? I picked a, a bad uh, example for a video game. Why is that? Just, i well, my- Is Kangaroo really Atari? It was distributed by Atari, but actually it was a product by Sun Electronics.
1: Did you wear like little boxing gloves in that game and you had to box stuff as a kangaroo? Yes. I vaguely remember playing that game. It was, it was, it was
0: very Donkey Kong like because you climbed up to the top and had to find your Joey, you know, the baby kangaroo. Right, right. So. uh, Anyhow, so, uh, substitute Centipede for what I said before.
1: Getting back to copyrights. Now, a copyright, the term of a copyright right now lasts for, in the United States, lasts for 75 years from the creation of the work.
0: uh, Unless it's a work for hire. Right. 95 years.
1: Right. And so, yeah, a work for hire would be last even longer. And most of these, I guess, would be considered work for hire. Which is why I brought it up. That's a good point. So, in other words, this is software that is going to be, is still protected by copyright and will be for pretty much our lifetime. Right? Yeah. I mean, some of us might get really lucky. Who Depends knows? on when
0: it was. But Maybe yeah. the
1: singularity will hit and it won't – that won't be a problem. But at that point, who's playing video games? Well, if
0: you wanted to play Space War, you're probably in fairly decent shape because that was created so much earlier than this stuff. <laughs> yeah, the, the games that were created in the 80s. Yeah. Um, even our, our younger listeners would have problems with this all the way through
1: yeah, so, their lifetimes. So by legal definition mm-hmm. – Strictly going by that, it is not, there's no real recourse unless the copyright holder gives permission for distribution or releases the copyright into the public domain. Yes. Now, at that point, you know, it's weird to call the software abandonware because abandonware really means this software that doesn't have really any support or, or, uh, access Mm -hmm. through Legitimate channels, sure. So it's not like it's uh, abandonware at that point. It's just public domain work. So it becomes more like shareware in a way. Sure. But a copyright holder does have that option, uh, and in some cases, you you see companies take advantage of old, old, old libraries of content and repackage them and and market them again. Which would mean that you wouldn't want to host those abandonware games on your site, for example, because they are actually making money from this old uh, content, and there are legitimate ways to get hold of it. A good example of that is Atari, mm-hmm. because uh, you've got the old Atari games that get repackaged occasionally as an app for a smartphone or a tablet device. Yep. Uh, also, you get some console games that will occasionally come out that will be like the best of, and it will be whatever the old company was.
0: Well, I think you can even get a version of the Atari 2600 if you really want it.
1: Yeah. But that's new. a little oh new one. Yeah. They're making new ones now. Is You're, that
0: on ThinkGeek? Uh, not sure. Yeah. The, the Dreamcast was. I somebody told me recently that they saw a new quote unquote new Atari twenty six hundred packaged
1: with some of the early games. Wow, that's basically you know, a relive the past. That's yeah, the whole retro thing. Yeah, but there are, there are hundreds and hundreds of computer titles, PC titles, Windows oh, based sure. titles, mm-hmm. DOS based titles even uh, that. Uh, will will probably never reemerge, and so the question comes well what's the best way of handling this there are a lot of of sites out there that are dedicated to abandonware mm-hmm. and these sites are the the really the ones that are more legitimate and I use the phrase loosely because again we're talking about violating copyright one way or the other mm-hmm. but the ones that are more concerned with offering people the chance to play games that are the equivalent to being out of print
0: yes. or otherwise
1: unavailable. Um, they're very much about not hosting what are also called wares. Wares would be kinds of software that's essentially pirated or duplicated that's readily available on the market today.
0: Yeah, basically the copy protection has been cracked. Yeah. And you can use it, f- you know, when I say freely, I don't mean you're allowed to use it. I mean, you There's don't have to. No-
1: there aren't any Enter a license code yeah. to do it. Uh so but but the more the more legitimate abandonware sites will only host games that you cannot get through any other means unless you were to find like someone selling an old copy. But uh you know, there, you wouldn't be able to go to the the publisher and buy it because yeah. sometimes the publisher doesn't even exist. Well, um there are there are people out there who in some of them are content creators mm-hmm. who say there should be a more streamlined way to for for companies to release abandonware so that there isn't this uh, this legal barrier, um, especially considering the fact that software changes much more rapidly than, say, print. And uh, uh, one of them is Greg Kostikian. Now, do you know who have you ever heard of Greg Kostikian? He's a, he's a game designer who designs not just computer games, but also role playing games. I, his name
0: is really familiar to me and I'm gonna go, ah, as soon as you say it. Well,
1: he, he's, he's designed a lot of stuff. Most of it is kind of, um, has a, has sort of a, a satirical or otherwise humorous Slant to it. For example, he created a uh, role playing game called Toon back in 1984, mm-hmm. where you played as a cartoon character within a cartoon episode. Every single adventure was modeled after the idea of a seven minute cartoon episode. Hmm. And you would have the capabilities of a cartoon character and you would have uh, friends and enemies within the cartoon and you could do these outlandish things it was hilarious he also created a game called Paranoia which was all mm. about a post-apocalyptic uh uh society where you live in a a essentially like a, a biodome kind of thing mm-hmm. and a computer controls everything but the computer is crazy and paranoid and thinks everyone is out to get him and pretty much everyone is out to get him and then <laughs> but anyway the whole the just whole, because all right the whole purpose of the game was to create this idea of paranoia well this guy who created several different uh, computer games as well said that uh I actually have a quote. Software is about as ephemeral as you can get, yet preserving it is essential. Illegal, abandonware sites are providing a critical service to game designers and scholars and gaming enthusiasts. They do not, however, provide a lasting and satisfactory solution to the problem because they are illegal. So he was maintaining the point of these old games that exist are important. And they're important culturally because some of them were what helped usher in the era of personal computers in the first place i mean mm-hmm. you know personal computers were great for productivity but there's no denying that video games computer games really drove the industry as well and as the the technology advances our ability to access those old games decreases and he says that's that's a shame there should be a way to preserve that and also as he points out game designers You know, some of these old games are very primitive when it comes to the uh, graphics or the sound. But a lot of them had very innovative gameplay or very compelling storylines and are great lessons for game designers to to learn from. Sure. You know, I would argue the old Ultima series, for example, is a very valuable uh, series for people who want to create um, a storyline that spans several episodes and has a very kind of deep, um, and, and immersive quality to it. Now, I should also add that the Ultimate series has regularly been re- released in packages where you could buy it legitimately. Mm-hmm. So don't go out there and start pirating games. Look and make sure first before that, make sure there's a legitimate per-way of getting it and go that way before ever going with abandonware route. But, um, but yeah, as a, producer of games, he was pointing out that this is a valuable service that Abandonware sites uh, are giving us, Mm -hmm. that without it, we would lose these games. And, you know, unless some company was like, hey, we need to roll out another product or we're not going to hit our revenue this year. What titles do we have in the vault that we could package together hastily and then shove out the door? And occasionally you see that happen.
0: Well, it would be nice if some of the people who own the copyrights to these would release these, these programs in some form. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the app stores for the mobile devices have proven that, uh, you know, even, even software that costs one or two dollars for a copy of it can still make a decent amount of money. And, uh, you know, some of these titles are languishing in obscurity when, You know, people might really be willing to pay one, two, five dollars for an opportunity to play it again. It's not really a lot of money for most people. And they they might relish the opportunity to to give it another shot.
1: I think we have the opportunity to actually see that happen now because digital distribution is a reality. Yeah. Right? Like Chris and I can both remember a time where you would go to your local computer store or electronic store and there would always be that bin of the old games that that were Four, three or four generations behind the current stuff that's up on the shelves. And you would sort through that bin and just look to see if there were any hidden gems in there. And then you'd find oh, something yeah. you're like, oh, I always wanted to play that. And you pick it up and, you know, you might get a copy of Civilization that way. Well, that was back in the old day where you would get, like, the, the floppy disks. I was know? thinking you were talking about during the uh, video game console
0: crash when you would go into your corner drug store. And there would yeah. be a bin of really horrible Atari cartridges for, you know, a dollar
1: a piece. Same, same sort of thing where they were just unloading their inventory. Yeah. But those days are are you know pretty much disappearing because you get to digital distribution. You get to the the era of the CD really started to to decrease it. But then digital distribution has has taken a big hit on it too. But that also gives the opportunity for companies to pot- potentially put up old titles for. You know, like the same price that you would have for an app yeah. for a, for a smartphone. So let's say that you throw up a uh, uh, mule, the mm-hmm. old mule game, or Archon. Oh, Archon! Archon. Yeah, put those old Populous. games up. Populous, yes. Uh, put these old games up on. Uh, or Battle Chess. These old games <laughs> up so that you can buy them for like 99 cents or whatever and and ha- you know maybe package it with a free emulator yeah. if you need it because some of these old games will not run on your current system unless first put through an emulator.
0: Yeah, I have old machines for strictly that purpose. And before before you write in and say, you know, why do you want people to spend this money? This property should be free. Well, that's an option too. It would be really cool if they if these companies would release these games into the public domain yeah however I think they might have more incentive mm-hmm. if uh, they charged a small price and then they would get something in return for it it's sort of like the the Chris Anderson's long tail mm-hmm. and the uh, the online stores versus the brick and mortar stores I mean if you put that up for digital distribution it could stay there virtually forever. Yeah. There's still going to be a handful of people that are willing to fork over a couple bucks
1: for it. Yeah, and and I Why think not? I think that solution really provides an elegant approach to this complicated issue because yes. you've got, for one thing, you know it 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 gives an incentive to these companies to share this old stuff that you can't otherwise get, right. um, and and people can relive like that moment from their childhood when they played this one game that they loved and now they can't they can't. Get it anymore? Yeah. Um, it also gives the the you know it gives the fans what they want. It's not prohibitively expensive if you mm-hmm. go with this this micro payment kind of app approach. Um, and also it tells companies what people are interested in. If you were to create an uh, a, a section of your site, for example that hosted the old titles Mm -hmm. for cheap purchase, and you saw that one of those titles was getting hit like crazy, people were just buying it up, you might think, you know, we could probably do a follow-up, like just do an incredible follow-up that is based on the same premise of this original game, maybe not a remake, but even perhaps a long-awaited sequel, and clean up because we didn't realize there was this interest in this old title that we owned. Now this does not solve the problem for those titles where the ownership is up in the air, like no one knows who owns this anymore. Right? Those right. that's still you're gonna you're still gonna have that problem where if there's a title where you're not really sure does the is the copyright holder the guy who made it is it this other company is it a company that bought you know bought a company that bought a company that bought a company that's where you start getting to issues where these games may be hopelessly mired in red tape that's just it's until you figure out who is the owner of that copyright and who has the authority to do this it'll never happen you know the abandoned approach is pretty much the only way you're going to get hold of those games uh, and it's not a legitimate way yeah yeah now okay this is, this this is a, from the perspective of the law. I'm sorry. I should say that because yeah. sometimes I'm like, hey, you know what? I love that game. I bought that game. I played that game. There's no way for me to get it. And um, my sense of entitlement is crying out.
0: Well, this is where things get interesting. Um, let's say you have um, an old Atari 2600 and you bought a copy of Yar's Revenge and you have the machine and you've got the 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 con- the game. Yeah. It's it's in your basement, it's in a box, but you got it. Yeah. It's in storage. Unfortunately, uh, the 2600 doesn't work anymore
1: or you don't have an adapter. Yeah. To-
0: <laughs> and it, and you really can't play cuz the machine's dead, but eh, I know hey, it's a museum piece. Yeah. So you hold on to it. And then you find an emulator for your computer with Yars Revenge where you can play the Atari 2600 version of it. And the thing is, from what I understand, now again, keep in mind I'm not a lawyer. But theoretically, from what I understand, you're entitled to play that because you have a copy of the game. You already paid for it. You have a copy of the game in your possession. You're legally entitled to play it. Because the reason I get this is from the disclaimers on the MAME sites. They say that if you have a copy of the ROMs, basically if you have the guts of the arcade machine, the, the chips... Then legally, you can play the game.
1: Yeah. Otherwise, you are. That's why they haven't been shut down. Yeah. Otherwise, you are only supposed to hold on to a ROM up to twenty four hours. Yeah. And then after that, you're supposed to delete it.
0: Yes. Um, On your honor. You,
1: you, yeah, you as a a person who downloaded the ROM from that site, not not the sites themselves.
0: But if you own a legal copy of the ROM, you're supposed to be able to play it, even if the machine that you had it on. Now, I imagine that's there. There's some probably legal gray area where you know if if the uh, the copyright police, they don't exist, but hey, the copyright police come to your house and say, wait a minute, your Atari 2600 is broken. You're not supposed to play it on your home computer. You're supposed to play it on this machine. You're in trouble, man. The thing is, for one thing, there aren't any copyright police. Yeah. Well, not specifically copyright police. And you know, for a lot of people, this just, people aren't going to bother doing it. I yeah. mean, they're yeah. not going to sue Jonathan because, you know, that's the thing they say that you can sue anybody in America for anything but generally people sue people who have money. Right. So so they're, so they're not going to come after yeah, they're not going to come after Jonathan or me for doing that unless they really believe that they can prosecute us with good cause and are going to get something you know that's worth putting the time and money into a legal case for doing this. And and that's even more so for these companies and organizations that don't exist. And that's why uh, that's the biggest case i I've, I've seen for making abandonware legal yeah. basically saying hey company x doesn't exist this is a great game i want to play it i would give them $20 if they were still around but there's nobody to pay please you know but Release technically game, technically yeah. it's illegal
1: yeah yeah but,
0: and the law by the letter of the law it's illegal
1: and again if if the copyright holder doesn't pursue any action against you then you're in the clear and in in almost every single case that's going to be that's gonna be what happens. If you if you run an abandoned wear site, you might occasionally get a takedown notice from a copyright holder. And then of course you should very much adhere to that if you don't want to encounter legal difficulties. It's but, nice uh, to have
0: pants and if you have them suit off of you.
1: Yeah. Oh by the way It gets uh, drafty. Here's here's a pop quiz hotshot. Okay. So Hotshot. Yeah, the guy who uh the guy who made YARS Revenge. Yeah. He made another very famous uh, Atari game. Do you know what it was? Oh, who was it that made Yars' Revenge? It was uh, Howard Scott Warshaw, the oh. actual game designer who did well, it. I don't know. E.T. the Extraterrestrial. <clears throat> I don't
0: blame him. <laughs> I don't. He was it's paid not a truckload of money. He was pay- paid a truckload of money to do something very quickly. Yes, but yes,
1: one of the, the Yars' of Revenge was one of the games that was considered to be a, a big hit with Atari Twenty Six Hundred, followed by. A game that that often people credit as killing not just the Atari 2600, but the video game industry, the home video game industry as a whole in 1983.
0: He was just following
1: orders. That was just some trivia for all of you guys.
0: So lest you think we are telling you to run out and download all the abandonware you want and play it, we're not telling you to do that. Right.
1: Because that would be illegal. What we're telling you is there's some awesome games that are out there, and some of them are hosted on Abandonware sites, and man, those games are neat. And you know what? I'm pretty sure the copyright holders wouldn't come after you. But don't do it. If you, <laughs> you want do it, to go back and redo that? If you, no, no, no. <laughs> if you do that, it would be Ill- technically illegal. Yes, it is technically illegal. Uh, whether and it, and or not it's a shame. Whether or not it's unethical is another question. Unethical and illegal are two different things. Yeah,
0: and unethical... That's a weird question, too. Yeah,
1: because again, if, if, there's, if there's no one to pay, then those games essentially are forgotten. Yeah. They're gone. You you might as well do the same thing like this book came out in 1980. We're locking it away in this library, and you have no access to the library. In fact, no one has any access to the library, mm-hmm. and it it's going to stay there in the library. So you could have access to it if we opened up the door, but we're not going to. See, that's... That's an issue, right? Because then you're like, well, what's the point of it even existing <laughs> if no one can use it? Yeah. So, yeah, there's there is an uh, the ethical and the, the ethical standpoint is different from the legality standpoint.
0: Yeah. And uh, this is definitely a technology issue, too. Yeah. Because if you really want to read Beowulf, there is a copy in print somewhere. Probably yeah. at your local bookstore, possibly at a used bookstore. Yeah. Well, let's not even get into that. But. <laughs> it's also but the thing is you can find a copy of it. You could download it for free on I, the internet because I'm, it's out of copyright. Yeah,
1: I'm pretty sure it's in the public domain.
0: Yeah, you know, I would think. But the thing about it is, for the technology behind these games, you know that that is one of the issues behind it. And there's there's the other thing too. Uh, in case you're saying, well, you're just talking about games, really? Do you want to you want to download a copy of Visicalc so you can run that? Really? Yeah, that's the the other part of that. I mean, people don't... Adobe won't necessarily support Photoshop 3. Um, you could probably find a copy of it somewhere out there. But, you know, I would consider that, to an effect, Abandonware too, because they've moved so far beyond that point. It's been out of print for so many years. You're on your own. Um, but legally, if you downloaded a copy of it a cracked copy of it online you'd be in the same boat but the reason we're talking about games predominantly is because that's the stuff that people go back to um, yeah the reason that people in a lot of cases keep old gaming machines around just because every once in a while that nostalgia thing hits but i don't think you find it for something like a spreadsheet or a you know yeah, word it's perfect a legacy
1: issue in which case that could be a that yeah could be in some problem.
0: cases that's that's an issue too but uh, i think i think it's used more abandonware is more in the minds of a lot of people for games simply yeah. because there's that nostalgia and and uh, retro factor.
1: Yeah, them. I'm thinking back to some of the games I I used to love to play that I would I would really enjoy seeing an updated version of that game or, sure. or having the ability to play the old one again. Like um, TIE Fighter. Oh yeah. And yeah. now that one has a double whammy against it, right? Because well, it, yeah. it's a licensed game, not just a uh, not just not just the fact that you've got the well, software it's... and everything, but you've got the actual content. It's all yeah, that's a much more complex situ- situation. Well, it was Lucas Arts. It was Lucas Arts. So, uh, great game, fantastic game. Yeah. Wish that they would come out with a new one. And, and then and there's hint.
0: <laughs> well, you've seen you've seen the success of the the Monkey Island franchise as it's renewed, uh, I and I
1: love the Monkey Island franchise. And
0: Oregon Trail as it has popped up on Facebook and and on uh,
1: uh got the IAX,
0: yeah. But I mean, that's the funny thing about some of this stuff. Uh, can be updated and refreshed and people in an added dimension, things that you couldn't do thirty years ago. Yeah.
1: I hope you enjoyed that episode. Chris and I had a lot of fun exploring the world of abandoned wear and the murky ethics about what to do once something becomes unavailable on the market. And of course, I'd never abandon you guys. Remember, if you have suggestions or questions, write me. My address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter. That's at techstuffhsw. And you can always drop me a line on Facebook or Tumblr. We use techstuffhsw for both. I'll talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com.